Hi, third grade friends. This is our 11th recording, and we are in chapter, starting chapter seven. In the last chapter, they finally at the end had convinced the professor. So make sure you'd gotten to that point. I don't want to give away any more than that if you accidentally hit this one. Chapter seven. The great hall of the palace had been turned into a laboratory. By some incredible means, the proc had managed to obtain all the things the professor had asked for. The professor was stunned when he entered the hall for the first time. The vast, normally empty room was now filled with the most modern scientific equipment, plus benches, chairs, blackboards, bottles, and tubes of every description. Where did you get all this, and how could you possibly manage it? The proc looked a little smug. I borrowed it. You borrowed it? From your laboratory at the university. What? Don't worry, don't worry. I'll put it all back. You do your job, I'll do mine. The palace was bustling with excitement. Everyone had been advised of the remarkable experiment that was being conducted. As a result, the professor was given the utmost respect and attention. He began to work. The children wisely left him alone, but towards the end of the first day, they did peek in on him just to make sure that he was all right. They found him seated on a high stool, his head in his hands. Sheets of paper were scattered all over the floor. A waste paper bin was full to overflowing. The blackboard was covered with formulas. Lindy touched the professor's arm. Everything all right? She whispered. Hmm? Oh, my dears, I've quite forgotten about you. He seemed very distracted and rubbed his eyes wearily. I just don't seem to be able to get anywhere, he sighed. It'll take a miracle. It's a miracle that we're here, Tom reminded him. Yes, remember what you said about that, added Ben? You said that miracles only happen after a lot of endeavor. A mind is, has to be ready and open before a miracle can happen. But that's just it, the professor replied desperately. That's the problem. Right now, my mind isn't open. I've been sitting here thinking so hard, I realize now why I was unable to cross the bridge, why I couldn't see it. I was torn between two worlds. I was preoccupied with my forthcoming journey to Washington, and I was worried about finishing my paper. I always worry if my work is not completed. So the real world was fighting with the world of my imagination. My concentration was hopelessly ruined. Well, if you realize all that, can't you make it right? Ben said simply. The professor was annoyed. Do you have any idea of the magnitude of this miracle you're asking for? I couldn't see the bridge, yet you're asking me to make a wing doodle. I know what you need, Lindy said in her practical voice. You need a scrappy cap. That's it, cried Tom. It would help you to concentrate. Great idea. Come on, we'll go ask the proc about it, said Ben. They rushed towards the door. No, children, wait, the professor called after them, but they had gone. A short time later, the proc arrived. He placed Lindy's bonnet on the workbench. Having a few problems? A few? That's a masterpiece of understatement. Well, try the bonnet. It might work. Oh, come on, my good fellow. The professor looked impatient. You know as well as I do that the, those hats mean nothing. They're not magical at all. <gasps> Readers. Uh-oh. Makes me think. You've been telling the kids it was magical. They're not? Well, of course not. They're just a device. Something for the children to believe in to, to help them bridge the gap. The proc gave a small smile. Well, they obviously worked very well for them. I wouldn't underestimate those hats if I were you. I, I don't follow. It's quite simple. You say the hats are not magic. Yet the fact is that without them, the children would never have believed enough to get to Wangdoodle Land. 
As you pointed out, by wearing the hats, they were able to bridge the gap. Obviously, you're having a lot of problems right now. You're trying to bridge a gap, too. It would seem to me that Miss Lindy had a sensible idea. Try the hat. What have you got to lose? The professor banged his foot on the table. But I'm telling you, the hats are just a contrivance. There's nothing special about them. If you say so. The proc was irritatingly calm. He eased himself to the door with his long, gliding walk. See you later. Proc! What if the experiment's a failure? Supposing I don't succeed? The proc opened the door. I suggest we wait and see how you get on. If I don't make another wing doodle, you're not going to give us the hats, are you? You intend to keep us here. You're not going to let us go at all. But how can I possibly keep you here? The proc replied innocently. You just said that the hats mean nothing. I couldn't stop you from leaving. Yes, but you know the children believe right now the children are having a grand time and couldn't care less about going home. I suggest you stop worrying about them and concentrate on making a wang doodle for his majesty. Plenty of time later to talk of going home. And he quietly left the room. The professor stared after him and thought for the umpteenth time that the proc was a maddening fellow. He sighed deeply and looked at Lindy's hat on the workbench. He picked it up and turned it over in his hands. In the olden days, people really believed that magic emanated from the hat. They believed in the hat just as much as they believed in the wang doodle. Ben and Tom and Lindy certainly believed that the hats were the reason for their success. Was it possible? Could he have underestimated the scrappy cats? Were they magic after all? The professor considered the possibility and very slowly put the bonnet on his head and tied the ribbons beneath his chin. He sat still and waited. There was an uncanny light in the great hall, but he was used to that. His years of patience had taught them that any period of sustained concentration brought with it a feeling of bright, strong light. The children had discovered that also. He looked around the laboratory at the familiar equipment and at his notes and equations he rested his chin on his hands and thought about the wang doodle. Quite suddenly, it happened. A strange sensation crept over him. There, there was a feeling of lightness, as if a great weight was being lifted from his shoulders. He forgot about the children and the proc. Thoughts and ideas flooded into his mind like the water that raced down the hillsides to join the Golden River. The professor reached for a pad and pencil and began to write as fast as he could. Hours later, the big double doors to the great hall opened. The wang doodle peeped into the room. Hi there, he said with a shy grin. I just couldn't keep away any longer. How's it all going? The professor was wildly busy. Clouds of steam billowed from a pan at the end of the room. Several flasks containing colored liquids were bubbling noisily. The professor's spectacles were on the very tip of his nose. He was scribbling furiously on the blackboard. The wang doodle crept forward and peered over his shoulder. He made noises of appreciation. My word, you humans have come a long way since I was around. I confess, I haven't the slightest idea what you're doing. The professor grabbed a towel and rubbed the board frantically. I sometimes wonder myself, your majesty, now if you'll excuse me. Oh, this is so exciting. The wang doodled this happily. I can't tell you how I appreciate the effort. So much seems to be happening. Have you seen my slippers? He lifted a foot to show the professor. I lost the pink ones just a while ago and look what's growing already. Aren't they sensational? Silver and gold with bells on. I've never grown bells before. I can only surmise that that is due to the anticipation. The professor put both hands to his head. 
Your Majesty, I really do have to concentrate. Yes, yes, of course you do. Oh, goodness, I hope you will succeed. I can't eat, you know. I just can't. I must confess that even in the old days, there were more of us. I seldom had the company of a lady, Wang Doodle. The humans kept us so busy, you see. At one time, they loved us very much, and we loved them. I'll tell you a secret. I miss them a great deal. It's been very lonely these past 500 years. You can understand my anxiety about the experiment. I can, Your Majesty, but there will, won't will be an experiment if I don't have a little peace and quiet. Oh, yes, I was just going. Is there anything I can do? Just try to keep everyone away from the Great Hall for a while. I will, I will. Sire, please don't get too excited. This may not work. I'm on to something, but it could fail, the professor cautioned. Come, come. A little perseverance, the Wang Doodle slapped the professor on the back. Keep up the good work. I just know you can do it. You're a splendid fellow. Splendid. He bounced to the door. You will send for me the moment something happens. Yes, your majesty. You're really on to something? Yes, your majesty. Oh, I can't stand it. I may suffocate with excitement. <coughs> I will leave you now. Pack some more Aleppo's in Kendo. Goodbye. Goodbye. The professor turned away. The wing doodle popped his head around the door again. Oh, uh, uh, one more thing. The professor sighed with exasperation. That silly hat looks simply stunning on you. The wang doodle grinned and disappeared. The entire palace became a place of hushed expectation. The inhabitants crept around speaking in whispers, not daring to make a sound in case it disturbed the professor. The children spent a lot of time exploring. The frock showed them the wang doodle's private apartments and the fabulous royal kitchens. There's a special pantry for wood making. Is wood the only thing that Wang Doodle eats? Lindy asked. Oh, good heavens, no, replied the frog. He adores olives. He'll eat them by the ton. Once in a while, he'll take a piece of broccoli as well. Broccoli? How gross, Lindy grimaced. The children discovered that the head chef in the kitchen was none other than the oink. They watched him making a fresh, fresh batch of wood. He looked very efficient in his tall chef's hat, but he sang mournfully. Sweets for a sweet tooth, confections for the royal, put it in a saucepan and leave it there to boil. The proc patted the oink on the shoulder. Keep up the good work. His majesty is delighted with the cooking. He winked at the children and whispered. He is awfully vague at times, but there's not a better wood maker in the country. The oink said solemnly, watch out for yesterday. It'll catch up with you every time. The children learned how the palace was organized. The household chores were carried out by hundreds of penguin-like creatures called jiffies. They were always running frantically around the place and seemed terribly busy. The proc explained that it was not in a jiffy's nature to walk, which was why they made such efficient help. You see, they get things done in half the time, and that leaves them plenty of time to play, which is something they love to do. The other important members of the palace staff were the little furry flukes. They were couriers for the Wang Doodle, ran errands, and generally made themselves useful. Tom asked if he could visit the Wifflebird. He found her curled up on a pillow in a small, cheerful room. She looked tiny and fragile, and her colors were dull, as she lay listless and alone. But the moment she saw Tom, she brightened considerably. Hello, Wifflebird. We've all been so worried about you. How are you feeling? She fluffed out her feathers and began to make small crooning noises. Tom knelt down and stroked her fondly. 
he saw the tiny hands come through the waving plumes and the black button eyes staring out at him. I do hope you'll be well enough to get out and about soon. It's lonely without you, you know. His words seemed to work wonders, for she began to strut up and down and behave much like her old self. I'll come back and visit again if you promise to get well soon. Is that a deal? At this, she seemed very content and settled back into the corner to rest. Tom left the room feeling much happier after worrying so much about the wing, the Wifflebird. It was good to know that she was on the road to recovery. The Wang Doodle sent for the children often, and they spent long hours with him. They were wonderful hours, for he was the most gracious and fun-loving host. He was thrilled and stimulated by their visits, yet at times his mind was obviously elsewhere. Under the circumstances, it wasn't hard to guess that his majesty was most anxiously waiting to hear from the professor. The weather had become very cloudy and still. Late one afternoon, it began to rain, slowly at first, large drops splashing against the crystal walls and running down in shimmering rivulets. The wind rose and the rain came down harder. The proc hurried into the saloon where the weighing doodle was having tea and wood with the children. There was a rumble of thunder overhead. The proc spoke with restrained excitement. Your majesty, it hasn't rained in years. Not like this. You know what that could mean. I know. I know, my good fellow. I was thinking the same thing myself. The wing doodle began to tremble and rose unsteadily to his feet. Oh my goodness. Do you suppose that he gulped and was unable to finish the last sentence? The proc seemed to be listening for something. In olden days, we believed that a storm such as this was an omen. Something of the ordinary is going to happen. I'm quite sure of it. The thunder rumbled once more. And the wind chimes in the courtyard sang an eerie song. Over the sound came another sound. A faint, chattering noise that brought the children to their feet. As it grew louder and louder, the proc strode to the big double doors and flung them open. The noise was almost deafening. Running towards him down the corridor were all the members of the royal household. They were chattering and tripping and falling over each other in their haste and excitement. The jiffies were screaming, it's done, your majesty, it's done, it's done. Come and see, come and see, cried the little flukes. They tugged at the wing doodle slipper. Hurry, your majesty. The sidewinders thrashed through the crowd, waving their trunks in the air and yelling, the professor says to come straight away. Yes, yes, straight away. Everyone shouted at once. Ben cried in triumph. He's done it, he's done it. The wing doodle turned bright red and leaned momentarily against the frock. He clutched his stomach, then regained control. He began to gallop towards the great hall. The jiffies and the sidewinders and the flukes fell back to allow him room. But the moment he had passed, the vast throng closed ranks and followed after him. Tom, Ben, and Lindy found themselves being swept along. In their excitement, they unashamedly pushed and shoved until they were at the head of the crowd and close behind the wang doodle. He skidded to a halt just inside the doors of the great hall. As abruptly as the noise had begun, it died away. In the hushed, expectant silence, a weary and exhausted Professor Savant walked forward to greet the Wang Doodle. Your Majesty, he said, and the children knew that it was hard for him to control his excitement. There is someone I'd like you to meet. He stepped to one side. A gasp of astonishment rose to the crowd from the crowd. Seated 
on a white silk cushion in the center of the room. Looking at everyone with much curiosity was a smaller, daintier, and undeniably feminine replica of the Wang Doodle. She was the color of a fawn. Her eyes were large and soft with long curling lashes, and on her head were small antlers which she wore like a crown. Her front hooves were crossed delicately on the pillow, and her back hooves were covered by a pair of tiny satin slippers. She was breathtakingly beautiful. She caught sight of the king and blinked with surprise, and then smiled to reveal one sweet tooth with a daisy on it. In a voice that suggested the softest murmuring, murmurings of a harp, she whispered, Tumble, tumble, tumble. The wang doodle stood absolutely still, momentarily stunned. He turned every color of the rainbow, and then his knees, buck legs buckled beneath him, and he fainted. Oh, readers, that's the end of that chapter. We have one last chapter to go in this story. So be thinking about your prediction. How's this story going to end? He made a wang doodle. Professor succeeded. He worked really hard. He persevered. But how's this story going to end? Hmm. What's going to be the final ending of this story? Write your ideas on Google Classroom.